0: So what are you waiting for? Let's get ready to thrive. Welcome to Ready to Thrive. I'm so excited to be sitting here with Bethany Atkins. And Bethany is a millennial. And I'm sure you've heard the term millennial, Uh, but she is on a mission. She has a podcast called The Millennial Mission Podcast. And really her and her husband are on this mission to sort of break some of the stigmas that millennials have. And one other thing that I'm hoping we're going to get to in a little bit is even just they've been incredibly open about talking about their, their experience of walking through debt and they're in the middle of this process of getting out of debt. And so we're going to first talk about, um, millennial stigmas and we're going to move on to debt. And so Bethany, um, thank you for being here.
1: And can you tell us just thank a little you. bit more about you and your family and your mission? Yes, absolutely. I'm so happy to be here. So thank you for having me. But yeah, like she said, my name is Bethany Adkins. I currently live in Ohio with my husband and our two kids. Uh, We had a short uh, stint in California, but we're born and raised in Ohio. So we're back here with family. But yes, we do have a podcast called the Millennial Mission Podcast. And the whole um, purpose of that podcast is to encourage people to figure out what their God-given purpose is and live out that God-given purpose while also breaking the stigmas of millennials. Um, And Initially, it was just about purpose, but the more we started podcasting and learning and interviewing people, we were really realizing who we were talking to, which the biggest group was the millennial generation, which is also the um, biggest generation in the world right now, living generation. And so as we were going, we were kind of realizing there were some really negative connotations about our generation, which some of them are very true. And then also there were some millennials like us who we would be like, oh, yeah, we're millennials, but we're not normal millennials. Right. And so it was just kind of kind of a conviction for us um, because we were thinking, you know, Our generation, a lot of us are at the age where we are raising kids and we are raising up the next generation. So we really want to encourage the millennial generation to take responsibility for who they are, for what they're doing, and to um, kind of give them a call to action to rise up and be who God is calling them to be. I love
0: it. Um, So tell me what are some of the stigmas that millennials are facing right now? Yeah, that's a great question.
1: There are so many, and some of them are really funny. You could really type in and Google millennial stigmas and you will find so many articles, but, um, there are really like, some of the common ones are lazy. This is in our intro, lazy, entitled, selfish, um, job hoppers, which and some of these are true. And there, but also there's some rationale behind them, but a really common one is that they job hop a lot. And, um, It can be taken very negatively Hmm. um but we you know i I don't know there's just so many do you want me to like dive into one or yeah break it down well i guess we'll talk about um here let me think okay so job hopping for example um my husband and i we both went to school we both uh i don't i don't know how school is in canada but here so there's this like invisible pressure i guess you Hmm. would say you go to high school, you graduate, you go to college, you get a degree, Um, you get a job, you work a nine to five, buy a house, raise a family. And that is kind of this invisible idea that Americans have. And I'm not saying it's bad. They're absolutely people who that is their purpose. That is their calling. Um, But that was really, really common for our parents to go to school and work a nine to five. And so now with technology, a lot of that is changing. And so job hopping. Um, like my husband and I, we both went to school. He got his t- teaching degree. I got my nursing degree. I worked as a nurse for about six months. And prior to that, when we went when we were in school, I wasn't super, um, I was a Christian, but I wasn't very close with God at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had our son prior to getting married. And then naturally, as we're trying to raise our family, we're trying to figure out how are we going to raise our kids. And so we Um, we did grow closer to God. And it was kind of ironic because it was during that time I went and I got my first job as a nurse and I started feeling this restlessness. Like, you know, maybe I am not supposed to be a nurse. Maybe God is not calling me to be a nurse. And um, so long story short, I ended up leaving nursing to be home with my kids. And that is kind of what I'm doing now, alongside with podcasting and everything. But to older generations, you know, I got a, you know, some throughout that journey, I got some pushback. Like you are a millennial, you're a job hopper. And I think that a lot of us get that. And don't get me wrong. I think there are people who do job hop and when do, when the going get, gets tough, they're not tough. So they get going. Right. But there are also some of us, the times are changing and the traditional nine to five brick and mortar business is changing. And so it's hard for people who have, were raised in the older generation to wrap their mind around that. Yeah. So that would be one. That was kind of a really long answer, but. no,
0: I appreciate it because I think what you did is you unpacked that it's like this nuanced answer. It's complicated. It's not necessarily yes. like cut and dry. And I think that's one of the challenges when we ever we have an assumption or a stigma about. Um, a group of people, a generation and say, you're like this, this, and this without first asking the questions, like, what is it that's, that's, um, urging you to leave this position? I know I've had similar, um, conversations with my parents when it comes to, um, job stability and, and actually that was probably a big thing that, um, pushed me into my teaching career, um, was just that I actually wanted to work in ministry and my Mm -hmm. husband works for an organization called Young Life. And at the time, if you wanted to be on staff um with Young Life in Canada, you had to complete a degree. And okay. in some ways, um, as at least as I understood it, it, was sort of like if if this job doesn't work out, you have something to fall back on. Right. And um and so I I sort of chose this career as a what's the best option here, not necessarily maybe the thing that I was uh passionate about or felt called to and um And then when I met my husband and we realized, hey, it's probably not ideal for two people to be, um, both raising their own support in this ministry. This is going to be challenging. Um, I started Mm. teaching and, you know, and again, it's, um, there is a lot of stability in it and, and various things, but it, it does become, I think it's hard to take risks, you know? And so I can appreciate where, um, people from my parents' generation are coming from in the Mm -hmm. sense that they're like, hey, we've seen recessions. We've seen these things. Like, why would you possibly leave this stable thing? So I think that is, that's part of the conversation.
1: Absolutely.
0: Um, Now, one of the other things, I don't know if you can speak to this. Um, What do you, actually, I want to break this one down. Okay. Um, Lazy. Because I think, you know, even in this job conversation, we can have this idea, like I'm thinking about um, someone I know who's a millennial, and he is a very successful um, online presence mm-hmm. and you could look at him and be like oh you're lazy I see these pictures of you on the beach you're doing these things but then when I talk to him like you are working hard you are working yes. all the time it just doesn't look
1: the same way so do you have anything right. else to
0: talk to you about that stigma of laziness
1: Yeah, I agree with what you said there. And I think this kind of ties into social media and we see it a lot right now with all of the stuff that is going on Mm -hmm. that um, social media, it's not a very clear picture. I mean, you can be as upfront and as honest as you want to be, but you're still only showing people what you want to show them. So we can be doing so much behind the scenes that so much work and internal work and so many people aren't really – advertising that. I mean, and so we, you can get a lot of pushback. You can see somebody that has this, I mean, you can be whatever you want to be on social media. You can be the hardest worker and working at home, but only post your vacations. And so that's all everybody sees of you. So um, I think social media plays into that a lot, the laziness, but I do also think that again, the, the lazy stigma goes into, kind of ties into the job hopping too yeah. Yeah. because people see and i'm not saying going from job to job is like this this great thing like i don't i don't think that but i think that when we change like for example you change the the idea that you wanted to be in ministry to go to teaching from the outside people can see that as they want and maybe they thought oh well ministry just got hard to her so she's right. going to move on to something that's easier and so it's very easy to get a picture of whatever ideal you want to somebody. Same thing with me um, when I left nursing. It was very easy for people in my life to be like, oh, well, when the t- you just didn't want to stick to working 12-hour shifts because you're lazy, when actually that wasn't true at all. What I'm doing now is much harder, and you can speak to this podcasting and being in you know, the public eye and being on social media. Mentally, that is so yeah. tough. And, come and, you know, creating with kids in the background, that is so hard, it takes a lot of perseverance. Um, but people, they just see changes. And I think in this generation, change happens a lot. We're in a much faster moving society. Um, so I think often people see changes and changing with the times as laziness because they think, oh, you know, they quit as soon as it got tough. But I think it's, again, digging a little deeper and seeing why are they moving? Why are they um, jumping on to the next thing? And ultimately, when we make changes in our lives, it's because of what God is calling us to do. And so that was a really tough thing for me because in my mind, like when I left nursing, I thought, am I lazy? Am I giving up on this degree? Is this just too hard and this is why I'm quitting? Or am I doing this because this is what God's calling me to do? Yeah. And so I've really learned that discernment to kind of push out what other people are saying about my life and my family and our choices, and figure out okay, what is God calling my family to do? What is best for my family based on based on that, and then go from there.
0: Well, so. I so I appreciate all um, all that you're unpacking. And one of the things that I keep thinking as I'm sitting here talking with you is that you remind me so much of of so many of my millennial friends, um, some of your mannerisms, the way you're speaking, but also I realize part of it is that you actually carry a wisdom that is both, um, from information, like you're well informed. Um, but you are also saying, Hey, I'm going to step back and I'm going to discern. And I still want to seek what God is calling me to in my life and not something that I have seen in so many of my millennial friends is like, they're saying like, Hey, I'm, I'm actually being really informed of things that are going on in the world. I'm taking a stand in things. Um, but I'm also, I'm also sitting with God and I'm asking him like, okay, these decisions, like I'm not just jumping into them, but I really am trying to be wise. And so I think, um, I definitely want to hear more voices like yours. Um, you oh, mi- you remind me a lot of my friend, um, Rebecca that I had on a little while back. Which is we were talking a little bit about, um, creating uh, healthy boundaries with technology and just the, I think there is, um, there can be this idea that you have to be a certain age to have yeah. wisdom or to be able to share things. And often I have, um, my five-year-old is often a voice of wisdom in my life. (laughs) She is a deep soul and, and I think also prophetic. And she has these, these things that she'll just say, and I'll sit on them and I'll be like, wow, like that was, you know, you, we've talked about this idea of the difference between just like knowledge and wisdom. And so um, I think that's something I would love to bring to the table in terms of what millennials are capable of is you've grown up with so much information, so much technology, but then using that, partnering that with this gift of discernment, sitting with God, um, I think is really, really quite powerful. As you mentioned, being leaders who are raising this next generation.
1: That's huge. Absolutely. And I think it's both. Like you said, I think it goes hand in hand. So I think that Mm -hmm. the way you said that was awesome. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, one of the things that I really love about your story is that you guys on your podcast are being incredibly open and transparent about your journey of coming out of debt. And yeah. what I love about this is that you're not just saying, Hey, we're going to do this in the background right. and then we're going to announce in a year or two or whenever we get there, we're going to announce, Hey, we're debt free. But you're like, we're going to take you along this journey. And I think that's incredibly powerful, uh, because, um, finances, and debt and things like that, that's actually just, that's not simply a millennial issue. That is an issue for so many of us. And so, um, I want to dive into that because I think for many people, and maybe it is because of this very difficult COVID season, or maybe you were already walking in a hard place financially. Um, I have often felt hopeless and yeah. helpless when it comes to finances And, um, so my hope is that as you listen in this conversation today, you will have, you will be inspired and you'll be encouraged and you will realize, Hey, regardless of how things are currently looking in your bank account or with credit cards, we can actually begin to take steps, um, that will help move us towards just freedom and not having this like financial stronghold keeping you back. So, um, Tell me just what, what got you guys started on getting out of debt and then beginning to kind of take that public.
1: Yeah. Great questions. Okay. So when my husband and I started in our marriage, we quickly, you know, like I said, we had our son before we got married. And so when we graduated college, right away, we got a house. Um, so we really started out our marriage almost $250,000. no. Yeah, about $250,000 in debt. And that's a tough spot to start life out in. I mean, our student loans alone were a mortgage payment. They were $1,200 a month we were paying on student loans. And so um, the idea behind sharing our journey along the way kind of came from, you know, I've always been very much into personal development, and I love hearing people's stories. And I love um, to hear like the success stories, but what I was noticing was a common theme was that people really wouldn't share the success until, or share the struggles until they already had success. Mm -hmm. So for example, you would hear somebody um, talk about their debt journey, but only when people would say, how did you do it? How did you get here? How did you become so amazing and so articulate and such a good speaker and and so well known? And then they would say, well, it wasn't always like that. Right. Let me tell you about my journey. And so I started thinking, you know, why is it that people feel so uncomfortable sharing their journeys and like they wait until they're already successful. And I was like, that's great. Those success stories are great, but how inspiring would it be to see somebody and know them when they're nobody and watch them, you know, get out of debt and become the parents that they're called to be and do what God is calling them to do and just see their journey unfold before your eyes so that you can, so that the followers and the listeners become inspired to do the same, like come along the journey with us. So that's kind of why we decided to do it that way. And let me tell you, it's hard. Um, Just like you said, the hopelessness of finances and, you know, even just everyday life, life is a struggle um, sometimes and it's hard to commit to posting updates When sometimes the updates are not good, you know, sometimes you hit roadblocks. And if you listen, if you go way back in our podcast when we started, um, there were debt updates where we actually increased in our debt because that month, you know, my husband had transitioned jobs and he wasn't selling what we were supposed to. And interest is just insane. So um, I think it's important to note those things, though, because if you just show the success, even to our kids, you know, and we want our kids to see these journeys, too, because we want them to know it's hard. This is going to be hard to explain in a podcast, but success. So many people think it's a straight incline, like a line going straight up. You have you ever seen that before? It's just like a straight incline, but really success is like, it starts low and it does end higher, but it doesn't look like a straight line. It's a lot of like it's, it's very jagged. Like sometimes you go up and then you drop back down ultimately, though, it's about perseverance and pushing forward. So that's kind of why we wanted to share that journey along the way, because struggles are real. And we want to share those struggles so that people know, oh, I'm not alone. Like when I feel hopeless, you know, they were hopeless, too, but they're overcoming it. And here's how they overcame it.
0: Okay, first of all, I love the success uh, picture there. Because I think that that applies across the board to Anything you are seeing in any person, you look up at your favorite yes. basketball star or yeah. news reporter or whatever the, the person is or the thing or whatever they've done that's been the journey. And so I really appreciate that, that, um, you know, I've had times in my life where I've been discouraged and frustrated. Like, why isn't this thing that I'm working on taking off? Why isn't it? And my husband often has shared that exact same picture with me. Like it does, no one's life looks like this, like right shot. And we live in a world where we see those, here's yes. the after story or here's the in- instant success. There's a woman, um, a speaker named Christine Kane who was quite a well known um yes. you know, Christian speaker and she often had this thing where people would say to her, You're an overnight success. She's like, Yeah, I'm a 20 year overnight right. success. Like it's taken, right. you know, just this faithfulness. And so I think whatever area we are focusing on in our lives, there is a faithfulness. There is a continuing to walk when it is hard. When sometimes the results feel and sometimes, you know, it doesn't feel like we're making progress. And um, I often go for these jogs by my house and um, sometimes I call them walks sometimes because they're like walk jogs, yeah. <laughs> not, not always moving. But, um, but I, I like that there's a hill, these two hills. And I just, I jog up those hills and I feel like there's some days where I'm thinking, I'm just doing this to keep telling myself like, this is uphill, right? Like there's things I'm doing uphill, but I'm going to keep taking these steps forward. Right. Even when, um, I don't know what's going to happen today. I don't know where we're going to go, right? Like you, you could have this idea of whatever it is in life, whether it's finances, um, or something you're trying to do in career where you're looking for this big break moment, like for somebody right. to discover you or to win the lottery, whatever the thing is. And, and those things do happen, but usually it's actually more just the, let's keep taking, you know, another step. Yeah. So let's talk about finances. Where did you guys do you have some numbers
1: for me in terms of where you started and where you're at now? Yeah. Yeah, sorry if you hear my papers crinkling. There's like so many numbers. So okay. I can't keep track of them in my head. But yeah, like I said, we um, had purchased a house. And so with that, we started probably a little over t- at that point, it was too scary to add up. But it was over 250,000. Hmm. And then We ended up taking a leap of faith, moving cross country. We sold our house and we've, we've rented since then. And there's, you know, people, there's different, differing views on that. But for us, just because we move a lot with our lives right now, that's what we've done. So we were, when we really started this journey, we were 134,000 and some numbers, dollars in debt. Yeah. And then since then, it has just been that success line, you know, there there have been some bumps in the road and flights we had to do. But as of right now,
0: yeah.
1: I just – and I haven't even released these numbers on our podcast yet. We try to do updates like every other month. So you guys are the first to hear it depending on when this uh, comes out. But we are now at 109. Wow. Right? Yep, 109,000. So it is still a significant amount, but um, – just recently, I mean, just this year, we've gotten out of, I want to say about 20,000. Wow. It was really slow. Yeah. Maybe 15,000. It was a really slow, and it's that debt snowball that we yes. talked about kind of before we hit record.
0: Well, I want to so, break that down for a minute, but I just want to say, even the last podcast I listened to of yours, um, that number has gone down. And yes. so um, I loved the picture you painted of the debt. Snowball, and so if you could just break this down, starting with the like you talked about the seventy dollars a month credit card, yeah, um, and then c- can you break that down for me?
1: Yeah, and, uh, yes, exactly what you just said, and this was just in April when we did our last update. We were at a hundred and thirteen thousand. So just in the last month and a half, we've paid off four thousand, and that is the debt snowball. And I'm going to explain why that is. So starting out when you're paying off debt it seems like nothing is going you will never get out of debt um and we a lot of our practices are through dave ramsey so i didn't create any of this i didn't invent this but um so he has he came up with the debt snowball and the whole idea is that you list out your finances or you list out all of your debt and each of the payments in order so the from smallest to largest and you start paying off on that smallest amount. So for us, it was a credit card that we had taken out that was for furniture and it was $70. And at first it seems like, are we ever gonna pay this off? Like we're so strapped right now, we have no money and we can hardly pay this off. But it's about perseverance. So it might take a year for you to pay that off. Um, But once you do, the natural inclination for people is to say, wow, I have 70 extra dollars. Uh, I can go buy more groceries or I can go buy a pair of shoes or I am free. Like I don't have to work as hard. I can make $70 less a month. And that is what the natural inclination to do is when you have free, like free money Mm -hmm. in your finances, like you have money freed up, but the debt snowball is to take, keep your overall budget the same. So for us, For example, it was like $5,000 we had to make each month because that's what our bills were. It would be easy to say, oh, now I only need to make $70 less and we can make $4,900. But no, you keep it at $5,000. You take that $70 and you apply it to the next credit card payment. So if your next credit card payment is normally $100 a month, now you can pay $170 a month. And you just keep doing that. So you went from a $70 payment, well, now you're paying $170 on the next credit card and you can pay that off even quicker because you're making more than the minimum payment and interest is killer. And if you, the faster you can pay that off, the less interest you're paying. So that's kind of what we did. Um, and now we're up to, we started off with a $70 payment and that rolled into a car payment and we paid off my car. Um, and then the car payment rolled into a credit card and then another credit card, and now we're paying an extra $1,000 a month on our final credit card. So I think we started with four credit cards and a car payment, and now we have just one credit card that we have left to pay off. So that well, it just works so... It's like rolling a snowball. That's why it's called a debt snowball. I hope... It's, yeah. Go ahead. Well, go ahead. I
0: hope everybody really got that concept, like the idea that you're you're focusing... Um, on paying off this one thing. And when you, when you succeed and you pay that off, you really just say, Hey, we're now transferring the money we were paying over here,
1: mm-hmm.
0: over here. And you begin to then have more money available as each thing gets paid off. You've more money available to keep chopping away. And so you're chopping in bigger chunks, right? And it's going faster. So it is that idea. Like, and I think about, um, making a snowball and how it's like, it's actually hard to start, right? Like you're like, it's little, I have to build, like anything I'm building momentum in takes a while. And then it does begin to get bigger and it grows. And it's like, okay, this thing is almost has a life of its own.
1: Yes, exactly. You start off with this tiny snowball, but as you roll it in the snow, eventually it's bigger than you. Like, and it's, When you first start, it's hard and it takes time and you have to keep packing the snow in. But once you start getting it rolling, it's like you hardly even need to roll it one full circle before it's double the size. So, yeah.
0: Well, I love that because I think during the first part um, where you feel like I'm still feeling discouraged, there doesn't feel like there's any progress, you have to really rely on this perseverance, but then you gain momentum. And I think that, again, is applicable to so many areas of life where it feels like nothing is happening. I feel like, you know, um, even whatever it might be, growing a podcast, doing something, you're like, what? Right. I'm just faithfully doing this thing. Nothing's happening. Yes. And then things begin to grow and you're like, okay, it's, but it is hard to stay faithful into the small things you're being called to when you don't see progress. Um, Absolutely. So I appreciate you sharing about that. Um, now, what are some things you guys have actually done to chop out um excess spending or to increase income
1: like what have you done practically to tackle this debt? yeah that's a good question okay so some of the things we do are like really have done are extreme and people are like you guys are crazy i'm not doing that so one of the first things was we sold our house and we had only lived in that house for eight months before we ended up selling it and um again renting you know you're not Building an asset or anything, but if you're trying to get out of debt, you're not paying interest So that's kind of what works for us Um, And then another thing Well again with the living situation right now you can see in my background we live in an apartment and it's a two-bedroom apartment and four of us are living in it and um, So my kids share a bedroom, but it is so low-maintenance the utilities my electricity bill this month was 15 dollars a month wow 15 dollars for the month um so it's just so cheap and so that has really helped us um as far as it's a smaller space so we don't have a ton of, like if we want to buy something and we're like gonna oh, do we really have room for this um and just the utilities are low and the rent is cheap now that's might not be realistic for everybody So more tangible, realistic things that you can do is eating out is like a huge thing. And it's so hard, especially if you have a busy life and kids that you're running sporting events to. But we really try to be very intentional with eating out because even if you just are doing fast food, that really adds up. Um, So eating out, we try to keep that to a minimum. I plan my meals out, planning out meals really, really helps. And I'm not like a meal prepper. But just re- even writing it on the calendar and putting it up on the fridge so everybody knows this is what we're eating for the week and buying my groceries, mm. it holds me accountable. Right. Um, and then even if you do want to eat out, small things like we teach our kids, we're like, if you want to buy a pop, that's like $2.50 to add to the bill. So right. we get water. We always yeah. get water. Unless it's included in the kid's meal, then you're going to have lemonade. Yeah. So little things like that. And then the the biggest thing for me – is just um, we include our kids in our journey. Mm -hmm. And that for me, it really convicts me. And it holds me so accountable because my kids are with me all the time. And there will be days even where I'm like, let's go get ice cream. But they're so invested in this journey that they're like, no, we're going to get, we don't want to, we don't want to get into debt. And you know, sometimes we, I have to even explain to them, we have the money set aside. It's okay. But it just really convicts me because they're watching my actions and they're, it's so easy to go to Walmart and uh, you know, pick something up that you don't necessarily need. But to know in the back of my head that my kids are invested in this journey and they're watching our every move that really helps us cut our spending because- they're watching our behaviors. So yeah. Well,
0: that just reminded me of a um, a podcast. If I can find the link, I will put it in the show notes. Uh, it was uh, a series that a woman named Jennifer Allwood did on money and our um, our relationship with money. And
1: mm-hmm. one of the things she
0: talked about was just how do we talk to our kids about it. And she really challenged me in the way I speak to my kids about money, and, and not necessarily always saying things like oh, we can't afford it or we don't have enough. But, and, and in some ways not trying to create this like scarcity mindset, but basically just saying, we're actually just trying to be wise about our money. And so my eight year old has really attached onto this. And as they've, you know, my, two of my kids share a room and, um, the bedrooms are pretty small. And so again, being in COVID, we've been at home a lot. Um, and so my oldest, has this desire to redecorate quite a bit and move bed, move bunk beds around. And, and she's really been like, mom, I want a new house. And I'm like, well, we have to, you know, there's things we need to do in terms of like finances. And so like mom and dad are trying to be wise about our money. And so then we, when we have those conversations, when we're out and they're asking for things, whatever, again, it's that like, and I'll say to them, I understand the desire as we're out to buy things. Like I understand there's things that I see that I also have to walk away from and so I love that you're including them and being able to have those conversations because um, we do live in a world where you can buy things at the push of a button on your thumb Mm -hmm. right like it's yes it is tempting um, and especially you know I know for a lot of people there can be a sense in which like I I went shopping last week while a girlfriend had my kids. And I, that's normally not something I do with kid-free time. Like, I love going for walks and exercising. But I was like, I, I haven't been in stores in months. I just need to, like, per, <laughs> peruse by myself. And I had texted a girlfriend. I was like, oh, retail therapy is real. Um, you know, and I didn't buy a ton. But it was just that, that feeling of, like, there is something that feels good, you know, when you're right. buying something. <clears throat> and so sometimes we can be... Even just experiencing something hard in life and we can go to you know, we can go to food, we can go to drink, go to things like that, but we can also just go to shopping, right? Yeah. And then we actually we get in a place where then we're overwhelmed with our stuff and Mm -hmm. and we have to be purging. So it all, you know, it all kind of connects is is having this healthy mindset with money actually helps us to have a healthier mindset when it comes to our stuff.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I could not agree with that more.
0: Well, I love that you guys have taken these practical steps. I also heard you say something about how um if you get a chance in the season while you're focusing on paying down debt that if extra money comes along, you ha- you had this um moment where you said, "Yeah, normally the idea is I have I have money, so now I can I can spend it over here." And so um I love that you guys also encourage people to continue um, throwing money back at the debt, like kind of yeah.
1: karate chopping it
0: yeah
1: mm-hmm. um, Yeah. Something yeah. just, I want to add in there really quick, something that really helps us with that. Like it is so easy if you have a, a good financial month and you do have that extra money to set aside to be like, Oh, let's go celebrate. So it's a really good idea to set goals, um, for, because it is good to celebrate and it is yeah. good to go shopping every now and then. Um, But if you're doing it as a reward, what you're buying is so much more rewarding, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. So Mm -hmm. like if you set a goal and then you go purchase something, you're like, oh, I earned this. So one, it's a good idea to set goals with your finances. Um, Our biggest goal right now that we've set with our kids is we told them that we would take them on a vacation once we got out of all of our consumer debt. So being all that we have left is our student loans and we're almost there. Um, But just having that goal, it's, encouraging them and yes we're going to spend money on vacation but it's keeping us motivated to when we get extra money to throw it at that debt because we have that vacation in sight yeah. you know um so yeah
0: well that's good i love that. i think everybody everybody needs a little bit of motivation sometimes in some form of carrot um, especially yeah. when it does feel really hard right like it's um If these things were easy, we would all be doing them. Um, And so sometimes we need that thing. Um, I know for my husband and I, when we were first married like 14 years ago, we each had some things we needed to do that we were kind of like, these are um, not not the most fun things. I think for me, I had to change my name in so many different, like it was just a ton of paperwork like
1: this. It's so much work.
0: this credit card, this thing. And so, but it was like, if I do that, I think I got to buy a Lululemon hoodie or something. It was a really big carrot and I needed that motivation. And so um, I did all my, I did all my things and I went and and bought the hoodie. Um, Now, one (laughs) one of the things that can keep us from dealing with our finances is that we actually don't really know what they look like, and we can often have this fear when it comes to talking about money or facing our finances. So what would you say to people who are like, I get anxious thinking about the numbers? So what would you say? Yes.
1: Yeah, I can relate to that so much. It is starting out. It is so scary. It's like this big, heavy cloud that you just want to avoid and like pretend it's not there. And then you just keep racking up, racking up the debt. So I, it's just kind of like ripping off a band-aid. You just have to do it. You have to address it, just like you with changing your name. It's just like anything else that's hard. And once you do it, just like anything else, it's not that bad. You know, it might take some time. It might take a few hours to figure out. Okay, I have this many credit cards. I need to figure out all the logins. I need to figure out where. You know, but you just once you do it, it's there, and it's like oh. That wasn't so bad the number might be a little bit scary but now you have a starting place so that really before any type of um figuring out how to address paying off debt you have to know where you are where to start and that is the very first thing that you have to do is to add up all those numbers and figure out where you're going to begin and although the number is scary Once you start this journey, it is so gratifying to see that number go down. Um, And it's so, even though it's hard and even though it takes time, it feels so much better to know where you stand than to just have this like proverbial cloud over your head, just lingering. And really, even though you don't think you might be getting worse, it is because even if you're not spending any more money, credit card interest will kill you. I mean, it is it's insane. So just figure out that number, rip the bandaid off and do it. Mm -hmm. And, um, you can cut this part out if you want to, but we actually have a debt sheet on our website Mm -hmm. on our podcast website. It's completely free. And it's just, our website is www.millennialmission.co. And I can email it to you and it's a free download. It's exactly what we use every month. It takes me like 15 minutes to pay our bills and to add everything up, maybe 30 minutes Two, thir- 15 minutes, two times a month. And, um, yeah, we have a video walking you through it and it's just a good starting place. Awesome. Having a budget. Well, that,
0: that was my next question is, do you have any resources or how would you, um, point people in that direction? So people can go find this sheet. They can look at the video and see how to begin doing it. Cause if I know if you either have, for me, for years, we would start a budget and yeah. then we wouldn't stick to it and we'd get our numbers would get lost. And so part of it is having that, um, figuring out where you're at and then, um, being consistent with it. And it does change things when you begin to see where your money is going. Mm -hmm. Um, I think one thing that I heard from a lot of people, um, maybe a month or two into this, um, season at home, especially with restaurants being closed is that people were like, "Oh, wow. I've, saved so much money by not going to Starbucks, by not going to restaurants. Like I actually, I don't, I haven't done this, the math, but somebody, um, I should do the math right now as I announced this (laughs) this number. Um, but somebody posted something about spending $27 a day, added up to like $10,000 a year.
1: Yeah. Um, I saw that. That's insane.
0: Let me me do this math here. If I'm going to, um, yeah, it does. That's that's the math. So it that's was crazy. It was twenty seven dollars and some change. Um, and I was like, ooh, when have I spent twenty seven dollars a day on something random? Right. Like I can think about if I if I went to Starbucks and bought something for myself and my kids. You know that yep. could easily be twelve to fifteen dollars. And then I'm at the grocery store and I buy an extra something I don't need. Right. Because I'm okay. tempted by something now. And it's like, oh, that's that's really easy to let ten thousand dollars um on right it's almost like that death by a thousand cuts right um yes. like there's big things we can do but there's also those little things and and during the covid season we were trying to again kind of take advantage of that moment of hey we're already not spending money on gas we're not spending money on um food out and all those things and so we ended up uh we had cable because my husband um still wanted it for watching sports and I was like well Sports aren't on right now. So we were like, cut, <laughs> cut the cable, cut, you know, various things. Like there are a lot of strategies if, if people um, take a good hard look at some of, the, some of those little places or some of those reassessing, you know, where you're at in life, realizing again for us, the cable was, I don't wa- actually watch TV. Um, my kids aren't watching cable. So it didn't
1: make sense right. to keep that anymore. Um, yes. Cable is a huge one. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you had asked about, resources and i was going to say something else about the finances but while while it's fresh in my mind the debt-free charts it's a free resource um it's a lady on instagram and she does have paid ones but they're actually really fun if you have kids
0: Hmm.
1: um when you tally up all of your debt it's like a a bar graph basically and they're pictures so as you pay off the debt we do it every month with our kids. We sit down and we say, "Okay, we've paid this off. You get to color in this line." And so they're visually seeing the lines get the picture get colored in. And then once the picture is fully colored in, that debt is paid off. So they're visually seeing like it's kind of scary because we have them taped to our basement door. And when you open that door, it's like whoa, <laughs> there's yeah. so many lines of debt, lines of credit. Um, but it's hard to comprehend as a little kid, and even as a is an adult, it's hard to visualize. So, um, that's a really good resource. It's debt-free chart. She has an Instagram and there's a lot of free downloads. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know what, else, what the other part is that I was going to say.
0: Well, I, I hope that people listening a are inspired by your story of tackling debt. And, um, maybe I'll have to have you back on here when, um, when you've Come to the end of that journey. I'm sure you'll have learned quite a bit more along the way. Um, but I hope, yeah, for people who are feeling hopeless
1: in yeah. this moment,
0: that that would give them some tools. And I know for me, I especially part of our, I think, our fear sometimes in facing um, facing our finances is actually just maybe something we've grown up with. If we've had some unhealthy Um, views of money, or if we had some hard um, seasons with money growing up, um, I know that can be challenging as well. And so that I think in many ways is part of us, you know, even maturing as believers, right? Like it's Mm -hmm. being good stewards with our money. And so I often have this idea of like, what does it look like for us to, um, be in a really healthy place financially and even be able to give more, to live even more generously. Because I can't wait until my finances look a certain way to um, be able to live a generous life. Like I need to live a generous life now. Absolutely. Um, but then yeah. knowing I also want to be even more generous in my life. That's, right. that's part of the motivation.
1: That is one of our biggest. Motivators, and it's really hard because sometimes paying off debt can feel very selfish, especially mm-hmm. when you are around family and friends who aren't on the same journey as you. It can be really isolating. Yeah. So sometimes, um, you know, you're on this journey, you're going to have to say no to things. Yeah. Um, like my best friend, I love her dearly, and her and her husband, they don't have kids, and they both have great jobs, and they want to travel. And they have invited us so many times and we have had to turn down. I mean, as much as I want to go, we have had to say no. And honestly, it, it's hard to not take that kind of stuff personally sometimes, I think. Even if somebody says, hey, do you guys wanna go out to eat and you guys aren't eating out that month? Yeah. It can seem selfish or it, like, and we, my husband and I both, we love to like pay for people's meals and buy coffee for people and um it's really hard for us to go places with people and want to do that and to have yeah. to have the discipline to know that that's not in our budget that month mm-hmm. but it's not about the short term. It's about the long term. And ultimately, the entire reason that we want to be out of debt is to live a life of service and live a life that we're not chained down by a huge monthly overhead of paying off bills every month. We want to have the financial freedom to be able to bless people and to give the kids, our kids the life they deserve. And if there's a family member in need, we want to be able to help them without saying, oh, you have to pay me back. But to be able to say, no, we have this in our budget and we want to do this out of the goodness of our hearts, you don't have to pay us back. So although short term, it can seem selfish and sometimes you're like, no, I'm going to pay for them. I don't care. It's uncomfortable sometimes, but you have to think about the long-term goal. What kind of life do you want to live ultimately? And ultimately I know, you know, I would love to take care of my parents when they get older. I would love to retire my parents, but I am not in the financial position to take care of anybody right now, other than my family, because we're bound down by so much debt. So it's not selfish. This journey is not selfish. It's isolating and it can feel that way, but it's not. It is so, you can bless so many people when you have the financial freedom to do so.
0: Well, the last question I want to ask you, um, is I know you've talked about this before and maybe you've already just answered it there is, is about this idea of your why. Um, yeah. And I know that's something Dave Ramsey talks about. So um, can you just unpack what the concept, concept is of having a why?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So a why is important in anything you do. I mean, from podcasting to building a business, um, anything that you do that is walking in your purpose that God is calling for you, you're going to face opposition because we have a real life enemy, Satan, who wants to um, veer us off course and he wants to deter us and distract us with trials and hard things. And so the more that we're stepping into that purpose, I feel like personally, the more I've stepped into my purpose, the more opposition I've faced. And a why becomes important at that point, because when you face hard things in life, it's going to be easy to say, I need to quit. I need to give up and I need to just move on to something else. But if you are grounded in your why, then when times get tough, you can say, all right, take me back to my why, take me back to the reason I'm doing this to begin with. And is this still applicable? And is this still important to me? And is it worth overcoming this trial? And if you have a good why, then the answer is always going to be yes. And it will help propel you forward through the trial. And um, it's actually really rewarding to have a why and to look back over your trials and say, wow, I overcame that, I overcame that, I overcame that. And um, look how far we've come. So that is the importance of a why. And so for your listeners, I would just encourage you, your listeners to sit down and figure out what, what do I want out of my life? what is so fulfilling to me and what makes me feel like I have purpose and what is my why, what's my why for my family and what's my why for myself and, um, ground yourself in that and it'll help move you forward. So good. There is nothing more I could say that would top that. Um, (laughs) Bethany,
0: where can people find you?
1: Yeah. So our Instagram is at Bethany and Corey. Um, And you can find us on there. We do, you know, we share our life on there. And then also, our podcast is the Millennial Mission Podcast. Um, And then I can give you the links to our podcast website where they can find that free download.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you. I love the encouragement. I love that you're sharing your journey with others. And I just love that little bit of encouragement at the end with your why. So, Uh, I would encourage people to just go back, listen to that, and just kind of linger on that for a little bit. I trust that this episode has helped you move one step closer to thriving. Thanks so much for listening today. I really am so encouraged knowing how many of you are being encouraged by this message. And if you have found it helpful, would you mind just sharing it with a friend, leaving five stars or even a review wherever you listen to podcasts, podcasts? keeping it super professional. Um, If you want to connect more with me, head over to Instagram where I'm at Jacqueline.Widener. Or if you want some free resources, head over to my website at JacquelineWidener.com.
1: This has been an Extend Network production.